0: Welcome to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Blank. Super excited that you're here. And on the show with me today is Garrett Lynch. Garrett, what's going on? What's going on, Michael? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. Doing good. We're, we're getting ready to close our, our deal in Atlanta. So that's pretty cool. That's closing pretty quick. I'm surprised how quickly it's going, Garrett.
1: I know. We we so we shot for two back-to-back uh, deals closing in around 45 days. So Maybe that's our new bread and butter, you know, that's it's a way to add value to the market, I think, by by going so fast.
0: Well, and, and we got this deal because of what we did with a previous deal in Atlanta. We closed it so fast in COVID and people are like, holy moly. And these guys need to sell before the end of the year. And that's why we got the deal, which is, which is awesome. Another thing you can do. you can, you can another, thing, another thing you can do. Yeah. So that's really exciting. Uh, we raised $11.6 million and uh, that's exciting. Uh, and as soon as the dust settles, Garrett, I'm sure you're going to be hunting for a new deal to kick off 2021, you which might have is already exciting. Started that process. Yeah. But Yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's, fun. that's awesome. You know, there's a, a lot of different ways that you can, you know, you buy a piece of property. And I think one of, the, one of the strengths that you have is you look at a piece of property, you underwrite it, but then you visit the property. And when you come back, you're like, oh, the asking price is fine. I'm like, what do you mean? No, asking price is high. Nope. We can pay asking price because here's why. And you uncover all of these opportunities that other people don't see let's talk about different ways where you can add value or where there's opportunity to increase the NOI maybe beyond what it currently is or what people are even contemplating in a traditional sense.
1: yes, yeah, so there's this is where you can get really creative in general, and you just have to have some vision going into it. You could take a property that maybe the exteriors are completely done up, and there's a bunch of land to to add some other things like amenities on there. and, the amenities that you add, uh, they can just be completely made up. And it adds a dollar amount to your property that you can't really put your finger on, but you know it does something. And the way it does something is when you're taking those, your leasing agents taking those tenants or those potential tenants through your property, they show them, hey, oh, hey, there's a movie theater room. Oh, hey, there's a gym. These additional items that may not have been there before, or amenities that may not have been there. People are willing to pay more for that. And that's such a cool play when you're doing these multifamily properties.
0: But it's hard to quantify, right? Because you go, oh, I'm going to add a dog park. I'm going to add a grill. I'm going to blah, blah, blah. And you're like, well, how much extra am I going to get? I don't exactly know. But what we do know is that it's possibly amenity that the neighboring property does not have. And therefore we know that number 1 will will probably at least be able to lease up uh, more faster and probably get a little little bit more than than their neighboring property.
1: Yeah. And so uh, that's a great point Michael because I what I love doing is finding out what the neighbors don't have and then seeing hey what is the what is the, the coolest thing right now that's that I can add to this property that other people aren't doing like one thing I'm seeing out there that people aren't really necessarily including are package lockers and i think those are such a great amenity right now because they take people out of your office so your staff isn't bogged down with having to find the package for people and it's very a simple process it keeps the vendors out of your leasing office so you put this thing outside or in a, in a separate room that has 24-hour access for people it texts them automatically when the packages come and then when the vendors like UPS FedEx whatever come they don't have to interact with anyone in the office so it frees them up to do other things they need to do on the property there's a lot of room to add these on properties right now cuz a lot of people don't have them and you can either lease them or buy them which it's it's a super cool amenity
0: it is a pretty cool amenity and, and no one has them and it and it's so cool you just get, you get a locker I don't, how does it work it's not, it's not like an app they get notified yeah. so i go to amazon and and they hey it's been delivered to locker 15 or like yeah. how does it work? Yeah. So
1: the way it works is everybody gets signed up in the system. And I would suggest finding a package locker program where they don't charge people an upfront fee to be a part of it because it'll just help with adoption. And, and they'll do that. You just got to negotiate that into the contract. And then people go, they enter they the phone number, they sign up with the office and then they get a text message whenever their package shows up. So UPS will come, put in a special code for the person with the package. There's a whole setup on that end of it. They put it in the locker and then, and then automatically will text the person when they have a package. They get a special code. They go down and they enter the code, get the package at any time, typically 24-hour access. And then they're good and they never have to talk to anyone at the office.
0: Love that! Such a cool amenity, and it really sets this one apart from uh, from say neighboring ones. And just just one example. The other thing that we looked into is, for example, water conservation. For example, yeah. we we I mean we have created so much value through water conservation efforts. Well, uh, talk thing, about that because that's really
1: cool. You don't see this a lot. Like a lot of properties, when you're buying them, you can shave, you can cut that water bill almost in half. Amazing, and it's the best ROI I think out there on the expense side. Mm -hmm. is you just hire a company out there that does this, that's all they do, and you spend the 50, 100 grand or whatever it is, put it in your CapEx, chop your water bill in half annually, and now the value of your property went up by so much money. So if my water bill is $120,000 water and sewer, and I can chop it down to 60,000 in the first month out the gate by just hiring one of these companies, I mean, it's a no-brainer. And we've been doing that on our properties uh, even if they have the 1.6 toilets, you can put them down to .8s now, and it's a really good value add play in all the multifamily that you're doing.
0: Yeah, and they install like meters where they can monitor ongoing, and they come back and, and fix it if it's you know if it's just fabulous. You know, the other one is is uh, trash valet services, right? Where's where a service that picks up the trash? You don't have to go to the dumpster, and you charge them like twenty bucks. But twenty bucks times fifty, a 100, 150 units is it's a pretty significant uh, income and that's just some of the examples, and I just love that. And our today's guest is Hugh Odom, and we're talking about something completely different, Garrett. I didn't even occur to me. We're talking about cell towers today. Cell towers and the, op- the gigantic opportunity in the 5G where the cell phone towers have to double, triple to implement 5G, and it pre- represents super interesting opportunities for real estate investors. It's a whole new real estate game that I'm really excited about. So Hugh really knows what he's talking about He's got over 20 years of legal transactional experience, 10 of which working for, for AT&T for transactional things as legal counsel for these cell phone towers. And he, uh, he founded a company called Vertical Consultants that at last 10 years, all he does is negotiate leases for property owners uh, who are contacted to put these cell towers. And so the opportunity is huge. And so we've we grilled Hugh a, a quite a bit here on all the different ways where entrepreneurs might be able to take advantage all of this cell phone, uh, cell phone opportunity coming up here. So let's get right into interview with Hugh Odom.
2: You're listening to the apartment building investing podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now your hosts, Michael Block. Hugh, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Michael. Glad to be here.
0: We're doing something a little different today. We got some kind of cell phone guy on the show today. like, wow, people are wondering, well, this is super interesting, but what does that have to do with real estate? And we're going to find out about that. But first of all, you, you, know, you kind of say that, you know, the cell tower, cell industry is like the oil industry a hundred years ago, which is a pretty bold statement, Hugh. Why do you say that?
2: Well, because the cell tower industry was modeled after it in in the situation where the oil industry around the turn of the 20th century came out and secured long-term agreements from property owners, got them to agree to a certain amount of rent, an escalator, and a term. And they put an oil rig on their property and said, look, we're giving you this amount of rent every month. We get to keep all the oil. No matter how much oil we get, you get your monthly check. There you go. That's the deal we make. If the oil well runs dry, we get to pick up our equipment and leave. We're not making a commitment to you. Cell tower industry is the same thing. They go out and secure a site, get a long-term lease, say we're going to pay you a certain amount of rent per month, a certain escalator, and a certain amount of time. But as the value keeps on going up for the telecom companies, the AT&T Verizon of the world, the property owner gets nothing additionally. So it's the same model. Go out, secure long-term agreements, fix your cost as you're, if you're the tenant, in this case, AT&T Verizon, and you keep on getting more value, the landlord gets the same amount of rent.
0: So in the old days, oil used to be super lucrative. Is the cell phone tower industry in general so lucrative that you're just printing money using these cell
2: phone towers? Well, think about it this way. What's the, Besides air, water, and food, what do you rely upon most every day? Communication, uh, right? So you're thinking about this in a situation by which the cell tower industry is not only industry to build out the infrastructure and not only provide you the services, but the next cherry on top is for the AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile world. Not only provide you the service, but provide you the content. Think of this like back in the old days, like Kodak. They would sell you a camera because they want to be eventually sell you all the film. The camera was just a facility. So that's what the industry, the telecom industry is turning into. It's not just the service you're getting. It's the ability for them to sell you content. So that's why it's just becoming more and more lucrative. And the only way they can do that is have the infrastructure to provide the service. The infrastructure is the cell tower, the rooftop equipment, et cetera.
0: What kind of content are you talking about that's uh, so lucrative?
2: Everything from building out services provide you like Netflix services, provide you Spotify services, things like that in that genre, those are companies being bought out by the telecom companies, the Comcast of the World, things of that nature, dish network coming into the coming into the fold. They're providing that they're gonna be having not only a, a wireless network, provide you content through their service. It's all those different facilities. All these companies that you see are backed in some part by the telecommunication companies.
0: All right, and so driving everything over the same cell cell tower. So in other words, the profitability continues to go up. Now, is there something driving the the driving the need for more cell phone tires, or is the need kind of flat? I mean, what what is your outlook for that?
2: No, well, if you, if you turn on the TV at night, you hear 5G, 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 5G. Well, the thing about 5G is to be able to provide that service. Again, that's a service. To provide that service, you have to build out more infrastructure. The forecast is by 2025 you're going to have to build out approximately about a million cell sites, additional cell sites. Now, now, in comparison, right now in the United States, cell towers and rooftop sites, they're a little over 400,000. So you're almost two times as many you're going to have to build out in the next five years to be able to provide 5G service. And 5G service, again, provides an opening only for... The service that the uh, at t Verizon provide, but also the content, the ability to provide instantaneous content and services hooked on back of five G. So, Hugh, how do you find
1: out where to put these things? Like, what what is the, what goes behind that process?
2: Well, think of it this way: What happens is, is you think of it like a. In the room of AT&T, in the boardroom of AT&T, they have this huge map up there. It's kind of like the old days in the railroad. How are we going to link one side of the country to the other side of the country? They look at it and they say, how do we build out a network in, let's say, Atlanta or Detroit or Las Vegas? And they start figuring out how to lay out a network building out additional sites. So that's how they look at it. It's not so much a real estate principle. You don't say, well, the traffic count in front of this area is this many cars per day, or this is kind of the population around here. You start looking at a wireless network in certain areas, and then you start connecting the dots. And then you build out, you continually connect those dots, then you go from a small area to a bigger area and a bigger area. That's kind of a back in the old days, if you remember, you'd lose coverage. You'd You'd lose a signal on your phone. You'd be out of a certain area. Well, right now, the issue is, densifying the network so you have that speedier network so you have more data ability to transfer data and that's when they have to densify it with 5g and this is a densification build more towers build more sites you get an ability to have a faster more instantaneous network
0: so it seems to me like we already have so many cell phone towers you're telling me that we need two and a half times more in five years yes (laughs)
2: that's insane. <laughs> the simple answer. Is yes, the only way you build out the five G network is densification.
0: That's it. So densification. Okay. So when I hear hear that, I'm you know there's an, there's an opportunity somewhere. What is the from an investment perspective? What's the opportunity there for investors?
2: Well, there's twofold for the real estate, the real estate property owner, you're gonna have opportunities, especially in certain urban areas and certain areas that right now don't have a cell sites on them to lease space, not only the ground, but also on the size and pieces of, of buildings and things of that nature, because they're gonna to have to have so many sites. When I say 5G sites, a cell tower, a traditional cell tower, you have a range, depending on the area, of about a mile, let's say. A 5G site has a range of about three to 500 feet. OK, so that's why I say disification. You're having to put these very close. So it's kind of you have to you run up against a little border. Let's say I'm going to the city of Atlanta. The city of Atlanta allows me to put in their right way up against their, their uh, existing light poles. But I get to a spot that I need to put on an apartment building, a commercial uh, retail building, things of that nature. I need to put these additional sites to get my disification where I need to be. That's number one.
0: All right, so back to Garrett's question then. Okay, so every three, whatever, 400 feet, you need some kind of cell tower. Yeah. Uh, and so you're saying there's at t has some kind of chart saying, hey, here's what I want them. So what is the plan to connect? Oh, what is the strategy for connecting whatever the cell providers want with possible owner investors who have land or buildings to connect the two, right? So are they going to reach out and go, Oh, I need some, I built, I need something in that area. And they're going to start contacting the homeowners or the property owners, or just something that we as investors can do to try to take advantage of that.
2: Well, there's kind of three levels. The first level is when you have like a municipality, things of that nature, a large university, something of that nature on the public side. They're going to reach out to them because they have a lot of property interest in a certain area and try to lay existing sites or sites in those existing areas. OK, so I go to the city of Las Vegas. I say, hey, I want to go on your existing right away. That's number one. Second is large commercial property owners, either that have multiple pieces of multiple properties in an area they'll probably reach out and try to connect with them to use various properties under one master agreement so think of this you have 30 properties in a certain area uh, let's say las vegas they'll reach out to you and say hey instead of trying to do this one two three four an individual let's try to reach a master agreement to use all your properties or a majority of your properties to put our equipment that's number two if you're a one two three kind of property owner you're gonna have to wait for them to contact you so they say, hey, your property fits in our plan, our build out, and they'll contact you and say that happens to be a, a property they can use.
0: Okay. So I'm a property owner, and let's say I am in wherever they need to be, or maybe I have owned multiple properties, right? Or so you're saying I can't contact them. I have to wait for them to contact me?
2: If you own, let's say, five properties, Okay you're going to have to wait for them to contact you most most likely because it's not a situation by which, again, they're looking at that map. They they don't go to a property and build around a, a certain property. They have to lay it out to make sure that property fits in their plan, not the other way around.
1: So, Hugh, if you don't do that, what happens as the property owner? If
2: you don't reach out to them, they you wait for them to reach out to you, What is what is the downside, I guess? Well, there's no downside. It's a situation by which you'll just get a, a, an email, a phone call, a letter saying, hey, I'm from Verizon. We're looking in your area. We want to identify We've identified your property being in an area we need to build something out. Are you interested? And then it's just negotiating that agreement from that point on to determine what, they, what space they want to use, if that's going to be sufficient for you or acceptable to you, I should say, to use and then working out terms for them with them. To use that oh shoot!
0: Let's let's talk about that. Right? How sure. in the world do you negotiate a lease? I got You know, how much land are we talking about here? And then, yeah, what? How do you negotiate a lease? Right? Because if you don't know anything, those probably take advantage of it. Because you know, what? Five hundred dollars a month? That sounds great, right? right? So, you know, <laughs> what? What are you looking for here?
2: Yeah, well, it. You know, but you're asking how much property they need in a situation where you have a five G site or something small rooftop site. You're going from a couple hundred square feet to maybe three or 400 square feet. Not very big footprint at all. From a traditional cell tower site that you drive down the street and you see, you're looking probably between 2,500 to 5,000 square feet of land space. Now, to, to answer your question, how do you negotiate? You look at this and you don't, the first thing we get asked when somebody calls us up and they say, hey, I'm in Dallas, Texas. Somebody's approached me. What are the market rates in this area for a cell tower, right? And we tell them, don't do that. Don't try to treat this as a, as a real estate transaction. You don't look at it based upon other people are getting paid. You look at it based upon the value of that one site. And so you have to look at it from the perspective of this being a utility agreement or a telecom agreement rather than a, a, a real estate agreement. So you look at it from that determination. You determine what the value they're gonna be getting on your property on day one. And secondly, what would be the detriment to them if they had to go somewhere else? So you have to look at it from that perspective. Once you find that value, that's you get it right day one. The second thing is to put a structure in place, kind of like the oil and gas example. If I agree to a rent an escalator and a term, I fix how much I can get paid over the next 25 years. I want to be paid based upon not only how much space they're using, but how much value they're getting from that space. So I have to set up for a, a, a structure that allows for that. And then also have to make sure that whatever I agree to doesn't have a negative impact on my overall property.
0: Well, that's a good point. But here's the thing, even with oil, like some farmer, you know, having land in Texas, they have no way of knowing what the value of the oil coming out of that. Right. I mean, it, with with apartment buildings, it's in my opinion, it's fairly fairly, you know, you, you tie the value of the building based on the income of that. And, you know, we can work with that pretty easy. Uh, but to me, the whole cell tower thing in Majig is like a giant black box. How does one try to determine, well, what is the value of that so you can begin to understand
2: what the value of that lease is? Well, that's why we formed Ver consultants ten years ago to, to level out that playing field because there really isn't that. I mean you go to your local real estate uh, industry professionals and say, hey, they've approached me AT&T's approached me they won't really know they'll just what they will do is say, "Hey, I know this guy down the road. he has a sell site. he agreed to this much Well you're just perpetuating bad deals so you have to get you have to level out the playing field because an AT&t Verizon T-Mobile has a consultant, has legal representation working on their behalf, you have to get something to level out the playing field. You have to understand the principles of, again, not being a real estate agreement, but looking at and understanding the telecom aspect of this.
1: So how lucrative is this? If you cut
2: a deal, you strike, you strike a deal, What what is it looking like for the owner of the property? Well, you're looking at a, a typical lease, a, kind of a bland sell site lease, let's just say, And the value, the increased value to your property, increased value to property is around a million dollars, okay? That's adding on, one million dollars. Now, I will say, I will say this, on average, a property owner leaves an additional million dollars on the table over the life of that lease, okay? When
0: you say value of the building, are you talking about the income it generates if you apply a cap rate to it? Correct.
2: If you use use a, 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 a cap rate valuation or other valuations we use internally, that's what you're looking at, the value of the lease starting at a certain rate, certain escalation, certain upside potentials. That's what you're looking at if you took that and you sold it as part of the building or you sold it separately because there's a separate third-party market for this for these leases as well.
0: So you can essentially, uh, can you sublease it or, or sub-sell it? Like if, could you just sell just a cell phone tower rights uh, and not the property or are they tied now in, together?
2: Sure. So if, if let's say Verizon comes to you, you sign a lease tomorrow, you have that lease, You could sell it as part of your building, or you could go out to a third-party company to buy these separately, and you could just sell the rights to the lease to a third-party company for a cash payment. So either or. How long
0: are these leases typically?
2: Usually a typical agreement is somewhere between 25 to 30 years total in total commitment time. That's interesting, Garrett, isn't it?
1: Yeah. So how is this different than like a billboard or other uses like this that you can find? I mean, is it pretty similar to that? Is that that kind of what we're looking at?
2: It is, but the the revenue being generated from the lease itself is greater than the usual billboard leases. Billboard leases are not as lucrative in the the amount of rent for the property owner, number one. Second of all, you're talking a space lease, a billboard space is basically leasing space versus a technology play. Remember what I said, basically think of it this way. I'll go back to the oil and gas example. I tell you day one, I'm from Exxon. I'm going to lease your property. I'm going to get 1,000 barrels of oil a month from you, right? And -hmm. then I could do something five years later. Now I'm getting 2,000 barrels of oil. Now I'm getting 5,000 barrels of oil. Now I'm getting 10,000 barrels of oil. The technology is continuing to increase. You think about this. Think of all the cell towers you drive around today or yesterday or next week. Are they more valuable today than a year ago, than 10 years ago, based upon what the backbone they are for existing services they provide, to the carriers, and all the, think of all the apps on your phone. If that cell tower went down today, would you be able to use all those apps on your phone in that area? No. So the valuation is going up versus a billboard lease because your technology dependence is always increasing, and the dependence from customers is always increasing.
0: So the lease negotiate, is that tied to the value of that cell tower? Can you tie it to that? Or is, is does the lease always kind of stay fixed and there's like a 2% increase every year? Or can you literally tie it to the income or the value that generates
2: for the provider? Sure, that's a great question. The 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 cell tower companies and the wireless carriers want to tie it into just a, a fixed amount, rent amount, and escalator on a term. we try to get people to do is tie it into the value that's being derived at certain points over the lease. And so what I call it is a gatekeeping system. You put in certain parameters by which if they get to a certain point, they have to come back to the table and renegotiate. And there's a reevaluation. So again, I go back and say, look, if, I, if you told me you're getting 1,000 barrels of oil, now I can find out you're getting 2,000. Now I'm going to redo the lease based upon the value you're getting on my property, even if you're using the same amount of area.
0: And is that an acceptable term to provide, are they going to go, uh, you go pound sand,
2: I'm going to go to your neighbor? Well, they don't like it. But again, that's, that's where it comes into play. If you understand, and this is one of the key components we talked to property owners about, is don't worry about what you're being offered. Understand what you're offering the other side. Because the sales pitch from a, from a cell tower company or a wireless carrier is, hey, we can go somewhere else. Hey, we have all these alternatives. Hey, you're getting money for nothing. But if you really understand what you're giving them, then you can negotiate the best deal today and long-term. Huh.
1: So going on that, how do you know if you're sitting on like a gold mine spot for these uh, these companies? I mean, how how do you have that kind of leverage on them?
2: Well, to be honest with you, as I said before, you kind of have to level the playing field because that's where that's their biggest advantage in any negotiation. If I know more than you, I'm going to get the better end of the deal most of the time, right? So they're coming into it. They do this every day, day in, day out, day in, day out. You're walking into this maybe the only time you ever negotiate a sell side agreement and you're walking into it and you're going, well, how do I know what the value is? That's why you have to, again, level the playing field by being able to get people who understand to what they're getting out of the deal, that being the cell tower companies. So you really have to kind of look at this again from the telecom perspective and get get expertise on that side.
0: So you guys get involved uh, if a provider were to reach out to us and we're like, oh, I don't know what to let me let me call Hugh and I'll let him negotiate the lease, right? Because we work with brokers all the time and, and variety of different property managers negotiating leases with tenants. Uh, we have brokers that find us properties. Do you guys also source and and find uh, um, lease tower leases? Like if we say Hugh, we want you to go find a dozen. We have these properties. We want you to go find lease tower leases for all these. Would you like also go out to the providers and and try to? broker conversation
2: the answer is yes and no okay i'll tell you the answer is is we do that for we have clients that own thousands of commercial properties and if it's a situation like that we can go to a verizon at t mobile and say look we can try to do a master agreement because there's economies of scale of doing that deal if you own five six seven properties and you come to come to us no we're not going to do it because there's no there's no advantage to doing it for for the carriers and there's really no advantage for you to do it either so we don't really do that in, the, in that aspect. But we also, just where you know, we're doing this from a perspective of not only the, we handle the real estate side, we have legal professionals on our team, and we also have engineers. So we're looking at this from all different aspects, not just on a kind of brokering situation. We're looking at this from trying to, again, as I keep on using this phrase, level the playing field to be able to sit with an at and Verizon and really understand what they're looking at and trying to explain that to our clients. So Hugh, I got a property. All right.
1: It's it's a masterpiece property that I just built out. It looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. What am I putting on it with the cell phone? Is it, Are we talking about like a full blown tower here? Are there like little versions of it that we can put on the roofs? Like what are we looking at here and in what kind of scenario are people going for this typically? Sure.
2: Sure. So I'll give you three quick answers. A traditional cell tower, you're looking at a, something on the back portion of your property that stands, a, a, let's say, a pole with equipment on that pole, a monopole. And that's usually between 100 to 150 feet ground surface to ground height. And you're looking at somewhere, again, the area on the ground's 2,000 to 5,000 square feet around that. So that's number one. Second, you have your traditional rooftop agreement where you have an antenna array and you have antennas mounted on top of your roof, okay? And that's probably a six to nine antenna array, and that's covering about three to 500 square feet approximately, the footprint. A 5G site, or what's called a small cell site, you're probably talking 50 square feet, you're talking about a very small antenna box there, and that's again, a very small footprint on your property. Those are varying in size, and they just, they're just they kind of an ancillary site, they're not a primary site, if that makes sense
1: there's solar so like is this kind of a similar setup to
2: like a solar situation but with Cell? i uh, not exactly because the footprint for solar is a lot larger on a rooftop you're having to cover yeah. an area this is a small footprint again a few hundred square feet to less than 100 square feet that was my and,
1: thought right away i was like yeah. wow i was like this this sounds like a lot less headache because we explored the solar option one time that's a lot of a lot of it's football, a lot. like you mentioned
2: yeah we deal with we've had a lot of our clients that we deal with there come to us and say do you handle solar and we say no because it's a it's a real different animal and we don't really like getting into that
0: So Hugh, I love this kind of stuff because my entrepreneurial mind is kind of always spinning and how someone, maybe not me per se or Gary, but someone in general might be able to, you know, to benefit from this. Like I I see little entrepreneurs running around from house to house and basically getting like getting little agreements signed by all the homeowners that if they can negotiate a lease, whatever, uh, above a certain point, they would agree to actually lease it out. Right. So couldn't I just do that and go to like 100 houses and just kind of like in the entire Atlanta area? And then take that and bring it to a care, and go look. I have all these hundred hours. Of basically, I basically, I have agreements with all of them. And then now you begin to get negotiate from a more of a, lever, uh, a position of leverage. Does that is that a thing or yes. not really?
2: It exists. It exists already to some extent. Not to that extent with regards to going up to 100 property yards, but what you do is what happens if you look at, you'll see every once in a while on commercial, see a coverage map, right? Here's our coverage map. And think about you do that coverage map in the city of Atlanta. And you say, here's where the dead spot is, right? And here's where they're going to need to fill. So companies go out right now and they say, look, let's get options for all these areas. And if we can get a lease on there, we get to lease it out to AT&T. And I'm paying the property owner a certain amount to be able to, get that asset, that right to lease it out. Then you go to an AT&T and say, hey, I've kind of cornered the market in this area, and if you want to put something there, I'm happy to work with you. So that's that happens to some extent, not to the 100 different properties, but you have to kind of understand where those dead spots or those needs are going to be. It's kind of like forecasting. It's, think of if you think of a commercial area that you think in your, in your neighborhood that's going to be the next big area for a Walmart or for Target or whatever, you go start securing property rights to buy those pieces of land. Same thing, same concept. Cool.
0: There's apps where you can look up the cell towers, right? They'll plot them exactly on there, and you're saying, okay, they're a mile apart, and most most of the time they're even farther apart, right? Uh, and so you can see, well, if you, if the if it's for every 400 feet, you can plot the dead spots pretty pretty easily.
2: Well, you would do that. That's one way, and then you then there's other things you can go online. And you can look at the coverage area on top of that, and when you do both, and then you throw in the the type of coverage, then you start filtering it out, and you can get more you can get more kind of de- detail with regards to those micro areas that are, still have some dead areas.
0: All right. So I love that. So so someone could run around and get a get a bunch of like uh, agreements. And that's that's pretty neat. Uh, And so the the other scenario is a provider calls us as a property owner. And then we call you to negotiate the lease. So that's that's pretty cool. What about what about becoming an operator of cell phone towers? You mentioned earlier that, oh, my gosh, you could sell a cell phone rights separately from your property. Let's say that implies that there's a market for this. And that means that someone's buying this thing. And so these are now all of a sudden syndicators and operators of cell phone towers. Like, talk about that part of it. So could could I go out and say, Hugh, I want to buy a dozen cell phone towers for cash flow. Find me twelve. Yes. Like, is that a thing?
2: Yeah, you can do that. There's there's opportunities. And there's a lot of that going on now because there. The, what's happened is they're catching up the real estate market. What's happening is they're transitioning real estate investors starting to be cell tower investors. And what I mean by that is the same thing you're you're discussing is they'll say, look. We, we can look at the long-term cash flows here. We understand the value of buying at a certain amount and being able to get that long-term cash flow and then maybe even flipping those. So if I buy at 10, sell at 15, I've made my five. Or if I buy at 10, collect the revenue from that, 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 uh, that, uh, that lease, it provides me a certain rate of return. So that happens a lot and that's happening more and more. You're seeing these small investors starting to get bigger and bigger and starting to go out and pursue cell tower landlords and say, look, I will buy this out and I'll cash this out, especially in the COVID-19 era where cash flow is more important, where the people need this money up front, that's happening more and more. So Hugh,
1: let's talk about the like obsolescence of these. And what I mean by that is we're on 5G, but when 6G and 7G comes out, what is kind of required to bring those towers up to the, the speed, I guess, to be able to, you know, accelerate into the, the next thing? Or, or what is that? I don't know enough about it, but can you explain that a little bit? Kind of, they, I'm sure they cover the costs, but how does that transition look? I mean, does an old tower work the same way as a new one? Talk about that a little bit.
2: Sure. So the best analogy I can give you is, Think of cell towers as kind of being a, a highway system, okay? Interstate highway system. It's not the car, it's the highway, right? And the, you, drove, you had a car 25 years ago, you're probably driving on the same road you did 25 years ago. You have a better car, it's more sophisticated, may go faster, but you're, you're driving on the same roads. The cell towers and the locations for them are just the infrastructure, just the roads. You just change out the equipment. It's a flip of equipment. Cell towers are just steel poles sticking out of the ground. That's basically all they are. There's no technology. The, the infrastructure is important because it's in the right position. I'll go back once again to the oil and gas industry. If I, ha- I can have 100 oil wells. If they're not in the right location, all I'm getting digging up dirt, right? So if they're in the right position, the oil wells, some value, but the ability to pull oil out of the ground is what really is important. The cell towers are just infrastructure. They are the highway system. The cars keep on changing. They use the same roads. So technology is important, but it's not, as I said before, you're about to go from, a, from a, uh, 4,000 t- cell towers approximately to over almost 1.5 million cell towers. So are cell sites becoming more important or less important? They're becoming more important if you need more of them, right? So for people to say, well, cell towers are going away, well, somebody's really making a bad decision. The second thing I'll mention very quickly, go look up American Tower, Crown Castle, SBA communication, the three largest cell tower uh, builders in North America. Look at their stock price for the last 10 years. Look at their valuations consistently going up. If they're continuing to build cell towers and acquire cell towers and they're going away, somebody needs to call CNBC and say these things are really overvalued because they're just buying dead assets. Right. So my point being is they understand it's kind of like the old saying, follow the money. Follow what people are spending on, they're spending on more infrastructure, not de- not diminishing or de- decommissioning existing infrastructure.
0: all right, so Hugh, this is actually pretty exciting and I, I want to capture something here. so so if I want to be a buyer of uh, like I'm almost looking for buying real estate and then adding value and increasing value and therefore the net worth and cash flow, it sounds to me like a model might be to you know buy existing uh, buy existing cell tower and then bring you in to basically renegotiate the lease and increase that. Like, is that a thing? Is that a model? And if so, how does that how does that work?
2: Sure, that's a great question. It's the situation you can go buy a property with an existing cell tower on it or the rights to the cell tower individually outside the, the property itself. And let's say you go buy it in for the rents so of $1,500 a month. And we try to renegotiate that and jump that rent. And you paid based upon a valuation of $1,500 a month. We go back and renegotiate, move that rent up to $3,000 a month because there's a lot of margin there that goes un, uh, undetermined or un, unfound. And we're able to do that. So it's really a big market we're seeing is a lot of real estate investors are starting to target these cell tower agreements and seeing the, bit, uh, the the value to get those, acquire those, but also see the upside potential as well.
0: Now, how does one find out the owners of these cell phone towers? So even to start a uh, conversation?
2: Well, to find the, the property owner would be number one. Find the property owner. And then you can back source that from who actually holds the lease, et cetera, et cetera. So you find the property owner. Public records will find you the property owner. And then you go from there.
0: So how are investors or people engaging with your company? Like what are the different models? How do you work with people?
2: Well, we, are in the, we, we have two target markets. We get contacted daily across the United States by property owners who have been approached to put something on the property or they have an existing sell-side agreement, which we work to renegotiate. On the renegotiation side, just really a quick point there is that's the same concept, understanding the value. Our average increase on existing sell-side agreements is that over the last three, four years, it's been over 300% immediate increase in rents they're getting. So you can see there's a huge upside potential working with somebody who understands the value. The second is we do some target marketing to certain groups. Like we do a lot with hotels. We do a lot with self-storage. We do a lot with, uh, we represent some of the largest shopping center developers in North America. We've been contacted and provide consultation to Walmart, to Disney, to McDonald's. So there is, there are, people are learning that they have some of the most sophisticated attorneys available to them, some of these large companies. But this is a niche, niche, niche portion of that real estate market. And we provide the, the ability to level out that playing field with these large companies.
0: Yeah, I love it. And, you know, it's you such another example of how you can, uh, different ways that you can try to make an increase to income of your property. And this is definitely an exciting thing to consider. You. this has been great. How can people uh, find out more and connect with you?
2: Well, the best way is to go to look up our website and that's SellTowerLeaseExperts.com. Again, that's SellTowerLeaseExperts.com.
0: Awesome. Hugh, thanks so much for being on the show.
2: Thank you. We really appreciate it.
0: So pretty interesting stuff, Garrett. I mean, my 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 mind is churning right now. Yeah, you know,
1: I, I didn't realize that this, honestly, that this was even a thing for uh, real estate investors. And now that I know it's a thing, it's like an aha. That, that I I'm, might have to look a little bit deeper into this.
0: Yeah, I can see you running around, you know, to find out kind of like you find, you know, vacant houses. You go and find out all the <laughs> cell towers and you literally pay fair market value for it. You're like, I'll pay your fair market value because you're knowing that your lease kind of sucks. Then you bring in someone like a Hugh, you know, and they'll increase the lease by like 50%. And then you hold on to it or you flip it. You know, and now I can syndicate. It's a thing, Garrett. We got to figure out. This is, the, this it out. is, this is thing. a
1: thing. I'm going to be hunting down cell phone towers now, and I'm actually. It's actually, I kind of a muffer it. <laughs> Just got to figure out where they are at, and start and then negotiate. I, I think
0: it's so cool. Now in the meantime, you know, if someone I, I wish we could figure out how to approach the the providers ourselves and say, "Hey, we have this 10 acres and blah blah blah, you know, that thing can we can put one or two in there, you know, and then we bring in Hugh." I think the opportunity is super and it's, it's more lucrative than these well, billboards. It makes a
1: lot of sense because people are using their phones more and more and there's just going to be a bigger need for it in in general. To, and like he's like he mentioned this is just the infrastructure so you're really just investing in the infrastructure and then the actual products change over time but you still have that that highway set up and you own it and it could be really lucrative i love it
0: yeah, and it doesn't take away uh, – I mean, these cell phone towers are huge. There's these cell phone towers are gigantic, and then there's, a, there's some kind of electrical box, and it takes up a, a pretty big piece of real estate, and it sounds like this is much, much smaller. It could be just a single pole with some, some wire on it, and that's it.
1: Yeah, I was actually really surprised on that because, I mean, when you think of cell phone towers, you're like, oh, this, this massive thing, this structure. But if you could just kind of infuse this into the property that you already own, and it doesn't really make a big difference, I mean, there's – That's pretty exciting to think about.
0: Yeah, so hopefully you guys watch and listen to this. Uh, your wheels are turning a little bit. It's definitely something to look out for, and I love this kind of stuff. Uh, it, really, it, it could really change the game if you can have a single tower on a property and then raise a, raise that property by a million dollars. I don't care if it's a $10 million deal. That's a lot of money to add for a $10 million deal. So that's really, really exciting. Now, if you are interested uh, in, in investing with us in the boring multifamily stuff that we'll eventually put a cell phone timer on, then check us out. We're at nighthawkequity.com. It's our investment company. And uh, you can join the club click the join the club button and you can fill out a form and have a conversation with us. And then uh, we can present you with one of our upcoming opportunities that Gary will be busy hunting. And so uh, if you're more of the active investor variety, and check us out as well, we have a lot of great training products and in, in addition to our on uh, free online, po- like this podcast or the YouTube channel. But we also have a mentoring program that we're super excited about check that out at the michaelblank.com forward slash mentor. And schedule a call with us, no obligation call, and see if mentoring is right for you. We're just really excited about the results that we're getting for our students. In fact, we guarantee that you do your first deal in the first year. Otherwise, we'll keep working with you until you do. So super excited about that. With that, we'll catch you next time.
2: Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Block. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.